Ciao, everyone. Welcome to the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast, where we cover the latest uh, and most effective marketing trends and strategies to grow your cannabis dispensary, delivery service, or brand. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo, and today we're discussing four ways to re-engage high-value cannabis consumers. Uh, we're joined today by Andrew Watson. He's the CEO and founder of Happy Cabbage Analytics. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. Before we kick it off today, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, MediaGel. MediaGel is the leading marketing platform helping cannabis brands reach consumers through their compliant ad network with real-time reporting and analytics dashboard, as well as conversion tracking. Well, let's kick it off here today. Uh, Andrew, tell me a little bit about uh, your background in, in Happy Cabbage. Yeah, so Happy Cabbage, we make revenue easy for cannabis retailers uh, nationwide by using the power of data science to take their first party data and turn it into revenue uh, through predictive SMS marketing, inventory, product recommendations, and other tools that really make data and revenue generation easy for cannabis retailers. Uh, myself, I have a background in data science uh, coming from you know, basically tech in San Francisco and really excited to be able to bring a lot of those uh, technology trends that happen outside of cannabis to cannabis uh, to really, you know, help us all make more money, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, retailers need it more than ever, especially now, right? Especially those uh, California retailers. So <laughs> anything we can get, uh, we're going to take. And you you mentioned, uh, you said, uh, was it recommended? or recommended or kind of automated text messaging? What is, can you be more specific and like give us an overview of what that means? Yeah. yeah. So what we do is we sit on top of your point of sale system and we measure how often individual consumers are purchasing and what they're buying. And then we also have a prediction on, hey, if this set of a thousand consumers were to receive a text message today, this percent of them will convert and therefore you'll make this amount of money. And we have learning models that are basically running every single day and measuring this trend across you know, hundreds of retailers. And so what we can do is we can make it as easy as a click of a button where we say, if you text these 300 people, you will make $2,000. Would you like to send the message? Go, right? And so it's very automated wow. segmentation. We do provide you the tools to make it yourself if you want to. Uh, but basically, we're like, look, the computer can do a much better job in selecting those who you should message than a human can, uh, objectively. So we just bring that technology uh, yeah. to make it very powerful, but very easy, which is really key. Yeah, I remember doing, uh, you know, managing SMS campaigns like back in 2015, 16, and I had to spend a ton of time segmenting customers figuring out who bought what, figuring out what messages to send. So you pretty much cut out all that manual work and it's all replaced with, you know, a, a software and probably AI, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can do this like forecast modeling and everything. That's, that's nice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you, like how do customers know about this? Do they just log in and, and do this or they get an email like, hey, you have this opportunity that you're just sitting yeah. on? Um, yeah, so they, we have an interface it's really simple. You just log in. And the first thing it says is, you know, 
for example, one major you opportunity. You want to just show us, Andrew? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's probably easier. Yeah. I can just show you if you would like to see. So let me just really quickly pull this up. Um, while I do this. Give us the but, tour. Give us the tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, one second. That's, that's ex- I, I didn't know that you did um, kind of like the forecasting and yeah. So this is just like a simple demo version of it. But what you can see here is what it's doing is the computer is and it's basing it off of how well the computer did this previously, right? So because okay. we have the data on all the previous transactions and how often people buy, and then we also have the data on all the previous messages that have been sent millions of times, we know like what's the intersection? What's the overlap? What's the proper yeah. time for someone who's buying every seven days or someone who's buying every 30 days for them to receive a message? And then what we also have found is that messaging about what they actually prefer can double the efficacy of the message. And so what we've done here is we basically said, hey, we've automatically identified 340 people we know they prefer flour and we have a prediction and all of this is dynamic to 5% of order. Again, you'll get $1,700 in sales over seven days. You can write the message and you can click send and then be done basically. And so a lot of our customers who get the most effective results, the only thing that they do is they just blow through the opportunities and then they go about their day. We do also have, and this demo doesn't have uh, it because uh, we haven't loaded in the example data, but you can create your own custom campaigns and you okay. can get like very specific into demographics and into like product preferences and stuff. And um, what it'll do is it'll detect how well that campaign you came up with did and then okay. give you a prediction of how well it'll do again. So if you are wanting to do a bunch of your own analysis and build your own campaigns, you know, like three or more times, eight or more times, you know, what at like by in the afternoon, and you think that that's very powerful, the computer can say, okay, send it. And then based on how well that did, this is how well it'll do if you did it again. You know? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I know we have some customers that, uh, you know, Mondays through Wednesdays are slow days. Uh, they want to try to get people in during those days or through happy hours or something like that, just to even up the, the traffic flow in the, in the, in the store, because, you know, Thursday through Sunday, is just ma'am in some cases. So no, I, yeah. I, I like that. Um, yeah. You know, why should cannabis companies put effort in re-engaging uh, latent or lapsed customers? Yeah. So the average retailer we run into who has about two years of data, 50%, so half, of all consumers who are opted in to receiving messaging haven't shopped in the previous 90 days. The average order frequency we see across all of the shops we deal with is approximately 25 days. So most consumers shop every 25 days. When half of your consumers who previously were shopping every 25 days now haven't shopped in the previous 90 days, That can be thousands, if not tens of thousands of potential consumers who you know their name, you know their address, you know what they bought, so you know what they like to buy, you know how often they buy, you know how long it's been since they bought, you know what time of day, you know what day of week, 
You know everything about these consumers. And so by always having a strategy, and that's why one of our primary opportunities is recapture lost customers, a strategy of going after and bringing in those latent customers back in. Basically, you're, it's, it's, it's like your most low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Right? Your cost of reacquiring those customers is minuscule compared to the cost of having to go out and acquire brand new customers off of, of you know services like weed maps or billboards or something like that. Um, you know, it's it's just like um, or kind of table sticks, right? <laughs> it's table sticks. Yeah, exactly. Like like it's kind of <laughs> like if you know you have you should be doing that, right? Like in a classic marketing theory, like you definitely should be constantly nurturing those who are falling off. Yeah, you should nurture them. Uh, you know, you you said it already, but you know, it's much more cost effective to engage with your existing customers. You have all this these data points on them. Activate that data. Figure out a way to get them back in the store. Whether it's working with your vendors to to create a vendor day, and then send people to to that you know everyone that's interested in that brand for that vendor day. You can segment by that, right? Uh, Get those people in the door. It's just so much money left on the table. And, and I, you know, it's just business one-on-one. Like you have to <laughs> nurture yeah. existing customers. And, and in cannabis, it's even more important, right? Like email and SMS are, are fantastic and push notifications as well. Uh, and you really just want to, you, you have to stay top of mind. So make sure that you're engaging with them and you're not spamming them. You're not sending the message every day, but make sure it's a curated message that's based on what they have purchased in the past, which is already built into Happy Cabbage. So all that yeah. stuff, you can cut out, you cut out all the manual work you have to do, choose the opportunities, choose the vendors, brands that you want to highlight, make it work for yourself and, and make sure that you re-engage with that, those 50% of people in that 90 day lapse time period. Like that's, that's just money on the table. And like, if you're not re-engaging with your customers, I don't know how you're going to grow your revenue month over month. Like you're going to acquire new customers to grow your revenue, but you need to retain your existing customers to get that compounded growth. So if you don't have that in place, you, you just leave the money on the table and, you know, I'll just add on, you know, another couple strategies for re-engaging uh, latent or lapsed customers. Now, obviously at media gel, um, you do programmatic advertising. So someone comes to the website, uh, we pixel them. We continue to follow them around the web anywhere they are. You know, if you think about uh, going to Amazon, you're looking for shoes, you need to go to Instagram, you start seeing those shoes everywhere. It's the same, it's the same thing, right? You want to follow your customers around. And you can do that on programmatic, you can do that on Google as well. So just just keep that in mind when you are figuring out how like ways to engage with your customers. And you know, the best way is to engage with them in person, right? So they're in your store. You know, um, make sure that you are prioritizing your your top twenty percent of customers. That's another segment that I, you know, I feel like people are cannabis companies aren't leveraging. Like that top 20 percent of your customers, you know, they probably don't take twenty five days to shop, right? They're probably coming by every week. So have some type of messaging to make sure that they're back in that coming back in the store, and then offer them loyalty points or some type of benefits to get them coming back and whether it's vendor days or what I always like to you know, suggest is have like an exclusive uh, exclusive strain drop or product drop that's only available to the VIPs. Yeah. Right? It's just like, 
boom, it's a no-brainer. So you have all this first-party data that you can leverage, uh, so use it. Uh, Andrew, can you define what first-party data is for us? Yeah. So first-party data is data that through the nature of your business, your business, right, uh, you've collected information about your consumers. And this could be if they're visiting your website, you know their IP address, you can know information about if they've logged into your menu, like, you know, what their email address is, information about that. If you are leveraging like an online audience of pixel type of stuff, you can normally map that to even more information. And then what's key in cannabis, which is one of the reasons, is the, the reason why I started working in this industry as a data scientist, is your point of sale system also has all of this information about mm. every single customer who's come through the door, right? Mm. So not only can you leverage all of the modern web technology that exists to be able to understand who's visiting the website, but you also have something that outside of cannabis, retailers, they, they, they just don't have, which is every time someone buys something, they need to check in. And with that, you can connect the entire funnel all the way through. And you have very powerful information on what people want to buy, right? If you think about when you go into Macy's, every single time you buy something, they ask for your email address and you only give that 20% of the time, maybe. Whereas in cannabis, 100% of the time, you give your ID. <laughs> so oh, yeah. with that kind of information, right, you have so much more power and that's why I think first-party data in cannabis is about 10 times, if not more and more valuable than it outside of cannabis because of just how rich and how complete it is. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason, you know, you go to Walgreens or CVS or Safeway or any of these stores, there's a reason that they want you to join their loyalty program. There's a reason that they're giving you discounts because that data is worth more than oil, right? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I don't know about nowadays because oils went through the roof, but you know, <laughs> I, I know that that's how uh, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and all these other companies, uh, Tesla, you know, and they're, they're all data companies, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the difference between first party and second party data? Yeah. So um, second party data is basically data that you're buying from somebody else. To okay. put it very much, right? Like I would say it's, um, you know, there's another company, right, uh, that has- like New Frontier mined. Data or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they've mined data. Honestly, they've mined other people's first party data. I will put that out there. And they basically yeah. sold it back to you at a massive markup because probably the people that got it from didn't realize how valuable it was in the first place. Um, that's essentially second party data. And also same thing, because there's so much rich first party data in cannabis, there happens to be a lot of second party resellers in cannabis as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much there's so much data available out there. You know, whether you're you're number one, you should be capturing yourself. So that's we should probably talk a little bit about that right now. Like, what are Andrew? Like, what are some of the best ways you've seen first party data captured by a, a brand or a retailer? Yeah, so for retailers, it's actually very simple. I will say, yeah. <laughs> um, if you've made a good decision on a POS purchase and those POS systems have 
very good complete data. So for example, a scanning technology on the ID that'll capture all that information off the ID. And then you are have SOPs in place where you are collecting like phone number, email, other information. Oftentimes POSs can even enforce your bud tenders or your receptionist to have to capture that information, uh, which helps a lot, right? I would say that's the first line of a like, like line of attack, so to speak, on data collection. And that's where your largest source of truth data is coming from. On top of that, then your e-commerce system that you have as well, being able to make sure that you're collecting just as much data on that side that you're collecting uh, with the in-store interactions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that means things like making sure you have an e-com checkout flow, an e-com system that is encouraging logins, that's encouraging uh, people to fill out profiles, but isn't necessarily too onerous so that you're blocking potential transactions, right? And yeah. then from there, right, it's supplementary systems that can help add more contextual data on top of that, right? And so that's things like sending out surveys, uh, getting feedback data, e-commerce systems that have reviews and stuff like that. And you can actually connect that review to a person. You can get sentiment from that person. Uh, you can also do things like VIP programs, loyalty programs, that kind of stuff that can collect some more of that supplementary data. But I really mm. do think that uh, the holy grail, and I'm saying this as someone who spent a lot of time doing healthcare data work, uh, the holy grail of data is having a robust connection from e-commerce to POS where you're collecting all the information all along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some key information you want to collect about people, right? I mean, obviously their first name, last name, email, uh, address, phone number. Those are great ones uh, for, to collect. I mean, pretty much standard. I know that from the check-in there, you're automatically going to co- uh, collect their driver's license information, right? So their address, date of birth, driver's license number, everything like that. And then when I come into the dispensary, I check in, I buy, you know, for me, I love my pre-rolls. So I'll get my pre-rolls. I can smoke those on the run, uh, some sleeping edibles. And then I've now recently loved my cannabis drink. So (laughs) come in the store, I buy all those, you know, next week, I can expect uh, a message from Happy Cabbage or the, the retailer that, hey, Ken is having a vendor day here on Friday and they're giving out 50% discounts on our drinks. You should come because you bought drinks in the past. It's like, yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And so that's to that, like a, yeah. yeah, one thing I'll say there as well, one also really important thing about first party data capture is that it's awesome if you have all the information about the consumer, but mm-hmm. what's even cooler is if you have all the information about the consumer and then all the information about every product that they've ever bought as well. And so yeah. making sure that you are using a POS or that you are at least curating and controlling how you're cataloging product in your system. You know, you mentioned can, right? Making sure that you're using the brand features in your POS, making sure that you are uh, appropriately using SKUs, product names, that kind of stuff uh, on your e-commerce menu, connecting that through to your POS correctly. That's going to give you a lot of rich information as well so that you know categorically, hey, here are the can lovers, here are the beverage lovers, here are the sleepy edibles lovers uh, versus needing to have all this rich consumer data, but then not knowing anything about anything they've ever bought. 
yeah. right? Uh, and that's also like super key and super important. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, when I go into a, a cannabis store that I have already shopped at, I expect them to know what I want now. Like, I, like I'm going in, like, I don't want to get, I don't want to go to the dab area. Like, it's not my deal. Like, I want to go, I want to see the flower. I want to see some of the edibles and that's it. And they can, you know, if more advanced retailers, they'll typically have a, a bud tender with like an iPad and they'll say, you know, oh, you know, based on what you purchased in the past is what I think you'd like. And they'll just take you to that direction. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what you'd expect. I mean, that's what you get from, if, from, you know, I would say uh, more advanced uh, just experiences within retail stores. Right. Yeah. Like and that's actually, yeah. yeah, we, um, because we have that data on the SMS side, so we can profile the consumer and then figure out, hey, this is exactly the message to send to this consumer based on what they bought in the past. We also have an in-store recommendation tool as well that we sell with it. So it comes along with it. And that exactly like a retailer can use that, look up the consumer on the iPad and based on the real-time inventory at that store, and that person's previous purchases, it'll actually give you a recommendation on exactly what to sell that person. That is gonna optimize the price point. And we've actually seen people who use this tool to provide that recommendation based on your previous purchases, see a 13% mm-hmm. uplifted ticket size because people are buying and selling things at full price because they're more attuned to their preferences versus driving people to whatever product is discounted at this point in time. Um, so again, other ways you yeah. can use first-party data to augment the in-store interactions. Don't just use it to market, but then like, you know, actually the full funnel is all the way from discovery of customer to yeah. uh, that person making a purchase, right? And so making sure exactly. you're mapping and using the data all the way through. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you're collecting all this first-party data. You know, Andrew, how, how can, you know, cannabis retailers sort these audience segments and monetize them? Yeah, so that's where you can spend a lot of time (laughs) sifting through this information. You can spend a lot of time um, doing analysis paralysis and at the end of the day, come up with a set of segments that you may believe exists, but perhaps don't have that much like actual power when you go out and you put them out into the world, right? And so what I always encourage is thinking of things based on recency, frequency, latency, that kind of stuff. So how often is someone buying? How long has it been since they last purchased? That's going to be one of your largest driving factors when it comes to figuring out um, uh, how much you should expect an audience to convert if they receive a message or whether or not they need to be receiving messages or content, right? And so that can be your like, you know, People who have fallen off, your 90-day shoppers, your weekly shoppers, your monthly shoppers, your bi-weekly shoppers, that kind of stuff. Then from there, I also uh, heavily encourage thinking of product category-based segments as well. Uh, I kind of like threw up a little bit of stuff there but um, on our tool. But what we have seen is that if you message somebody about a product category that they have purchased in the past, you will have twice, 2x, not 20%, not 30%, but 200% increase in the efficacy of that campaign, right? Wow. People who only buy edibles do not want to see your dab deal. 
<laughs> they just they just do not care, <laughs> right? Right? Nope. You know what I mean? That leads to unsubscribes. It leads to like low to no conversion, and then also conversion rates by category are very different. Vapes, for example, we see very low conversion rate overall on people really? who receive vape-based deals for people who have vape-based preferences. Dabs, people who buy dabs a lot, who have primary dab-based preferences, who receive dab-based content, have significantly higher conversion rates than any other segment that we go after, right? And so I think thinking of things, how often people are buying and what they're buying is really important, particularly in cannabis, when you think of the range of potency and the range of modality of products is very, very high. So you don't want to just kind of like one size fits all because you're leaving potentially thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars on the table. And then finally, I do encourage thinking of things like uh, how far are people on their journey with knowing your brand and knowing your experience, right? And so that could be like, who are your first timers who have just tried you out? and potentially are falling off. So you need to uh, encourage them to use a delivery channel, for example, because they're far away, right? Uh, who are your high frequent customers who for some reason keep you know, coming back and re-coming back or something like that. And so understanding like their mindset and trying to think of ways that you can communicate to them in ways that are effective and that matter to the way that they're purchasing. You know, we miss you. Happy Valentine's Day. It's been a while. Like your birth, your birthday is an easy one, right? Like birthday. That's a great one. That's a great one. Uh, demographics, right? So thinking of, you know, we do see a lot of difference when it comes to seniors versus your Gen Z, particularly if your dispensary is close to a college, I will say that. Uh, yeah. And so understanding that mix and types of things can help out a lot. It's good to know. It's good to know. Is there any, I mean, you, you highlight some campaigns there. Is there any that are your favorite that are like, you know, people must include on there as I know that it's maybe, you know, perhaps like an adv advocacy or a deal campaign? Like, what do you, is there any that yeah. uh, really stick out to you? Yeah. Yeah. Some of the most effective ones that I've seen, um, hype brands. So brands that have been coming up a lot in your store, re-engaging people about those brands can heavily influence bringing people more back into the store, uh, particularly with those discounts. Now, I don't necessarily encourage over-discounting on promotional stuff, but the mm -hmm. fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Jeter is a good example of one. When you message Jeter customers about the fact that there's a Jeter deal, their Jeter sales can quintuple in a day, easily. Right. And understand that with every one Jeter product that they're buying, particularly if you have something like a delivery minimum or while they're already in the store, they're also going to be adding on other products as well. Right. And so the retailer on net is going to be making more from that than the brand is. Right. Um, yeah. That's low hanging fruit. So your top brands, making sure you're continuously communicating about your top brands is low hanging fruit. Um, and not to, disparage more of like the niche brands, but unfortunately the data does show that if you are messaging about niche brands at the expense of messaging about top brands, you may be leaving money on the table. And that's just like the reality of the situation because people are gonna be like, I don't know what this product is. They may be unsubscribing. They may get uh, fatigue, messaging fatigue. Um, yeah. So that's just one thing. And then the other thing I would say is regular nurture campaigns for lost customers by category are like very effective 
set it and forget it, you know, make sure your edibles customers who haven't been back in the store in months are constantly receiving some messaging reminding them about edible deals. Make sure your flower customers who haven't been back in months are constantly receiving some messaging about flower. Those are those consistent things that each individual campaign may not get you a lot of money, but over the course of uh, months, you can be bringing in a lot of revenue through that. Yeah, 100%. I know one that we love to do, and it's not really re-engaging, uh, but it's more of like a store launch campaign. We'll send people to a landing page before the store is open, let's say a month before, get them to uh, join a VIP program, maybe offer like a 20% gift discount on the opening, build a list of 500 to 1,000 people, and then on the day before grand opening, send out that message. And, uh, you know, you have a line around the corner and, you know, the owners of the dispensary and, and you know, if it's a, if it's a chain, like it's, they're going to be happy and it's not even, it's not even the revenue, but it's the perception that the, the neighborhood and everyone around, like it sees that you're a high demand retail store, right. And that, uh, that people are standing in line to wait for you. It's the same thing when you're like standing out in a nightclub or something, right? People get FOMO. Yeah. And they want to come yeah. check it out. <laughs> so. Yeah. Word of word of mouth is an incredibly effective way to drive business. <laughs> incredibly. <effective>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then just, you know, I did mention it before, you know, combining SMS, email and programmatic advertising to do more of a, an omni, omni-channel marketing approach and also, you know, SEO. Uh, to capture the keyword and search behavior. So those are those are uh, great ways for for this um, for us to leverage this. And uh, you know, given the integration that we have between our two companies, I think it's yeah. probably time we should should probably show uh, a case study here from one of our <laughs> one of the campaigns that we launched together, right? Yeah. Uh, so let's just uh, let's look at this. So these numbers are. Uh, Impressive, <laughs> let's to say the least. So we ran a, a test campaign using the first party data from Happy Cabbage. And then we activated that data through MediaGel uh, to reach these cannabis consumers through mainstream publishers, right? Like your ESPN, your uh, the Chive, TMZ, Sports Illustrated, GQ, Salon.com, like all the mainstream publishers that you would expect. So Mankind spent $91 on this campaign. So that is paying for placement on these publications. And they were able to generate $15,000 in revenue from that. So I don't even know what the return on of that is, but it's uh, <laughs> large. <laughs> it's very large, very yeah. large. So it's really effective way for you to, to get in front of people, uh, to engage with them. You know, you can send a text message, you can send out an email, Maybe they don't respond. Maybe they're distracted. Maybe they're too high that day. You know, whatever it might be. Uh, if that's the case, then they still want them to see ABC Dispensary. You know, when they're playing words as friends, when they're on, you know, trying to, you know, swiping right on a dating app, trying to, you know, trying to find their, yeah. their next match. So, a uh, lot of lot of opportunity there to get more more awareness and just stay top of mind really you know it's the marketing rule yeah. of seven uh it's the old school way they used to say so people need to see your brand seven times before purchasing i think it's probably higher than that now given all the uh attention the attention economy and all the distractions that are uh, available to us through our mobile phones nowadays so you know something to to consider and then 
you know, looking at this campaign, we can actually see the lift from all the products, you know, so you can look at the individual products and you can see, oh, okay, well, I see berry fruit chew, fruit chew. That one's getting a lift for your 10 packs. Yuzu, Yuzu lemon. Here's another top product that has uh, been effective in our, in our marketing campaigns here. So, you know, getting, oh, here we go. I just sorted by quantity. So it looks like Zen Gmo for this particular campaign sold 20 units, Sativa 10 pack, Picho Z. They're all, you know, these are, these are units that you maybe wouldn't have moved uh, uh, if you weren't running a, you know, programmatic display advertising campaign. My favorite strain of all time, Durban Poison, uh, right there, number eight, you know, with eight, uh, eight sales. So, you know, just keeping that in mind and, you know, you can also leverage this data to run like a branded co a brand co marketing co co marketing campaign. So let's say Jeter's wants to move units at ABC Dispensary. They could run ads with the Jeter, you know, with the Jeter um, the Jeter ad on there, and I'll actually show you one. Who am I running with Jeter's? Green. Got it. So. I don't know if this one's active now, but you could showcase a brand as the actual advertisement and, you know, work out a deal where maybe you get a price break on uh, purchasing or maybe they give you some money to invest in marketing. Yeah. So, you know, we're all in this together and, you know, brands want to, to see the product sell through in your retail store and, you know, retail stores want to get that, that product off the shelf as much, much, much as possible. So uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, and that's what was really cool about this campaign was, and I always like to say that SMS is just a channel, right? Um, there are many different channels. It's <laughs> not the be-all and end-all of channels. And what we've seen through our data, uh, through usage of SMS, is that um, the determination of an efficacy is whether or not you leverage first-party data to match people to when it's proper for them to be receiving content and proper them for them to be um, converting and what content that is. What was really cool about this campaign is what we did is we used the same machine learning technique that we used to identify who are the proper people to text. And we basically took that applied it to the entire data set of, of, mm -hmm. of, the, of the client and then handed those device IDs over to MediaGel and they were able to run this really awesome campaign against that data set and get really great first-party data back on individual transactions, right? Mm -hmm. And so from that, that's why we were able to take $90 and turn it into what was it, $15,000, Exactly. Like that. But even exactly. within that, we got data back based on this that can help us retarget even further, right? And help lift that even further. And that's the beautiful thing about data science and linking the channels together is you can make it learn and you can make it grow and make it become more effective over time. And to that point, if you have brand partners also want engaged on this, right? Being able to have a machine select out the individuals who are most primed to purchase Jeter who are falling off of that, feeding that selection of consumers 
back into the machine over and over and over again so that those people are constantly receiving advertisement that's branded, that's bringing them back to your store to purchase that targeted brand. And we know because again, this like giant feedback loop, how to make that more effective over time. And so that's where we can take $90 and start turning it into 20, 30, $50,000, right? Now I don't want to go over-promising yeah. on anything, but yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's there and, it, you know, just looking at, <laughs> you know, we, we shoot for a 0.2 click-through rate on traditional campaigns. So by leveraging first-party data, it looks like we're about six times, seven times more effective in getting people to click on an ad, All right? So you're not wasting a bunch of money on showing ads. Not wait, I guess not waste, but you're not spending a bunch of money on people uh, who are not your existing consumer or who are not um, your consumers. You are advertising to people that have already purchased with you and the way that we connect, uh, you know, what you're doing, Andrew, on your side to what we do is an email address, right? An email address, yeah, an email. mobile mobile advertising ID as well. Those are the two ways that we can connect. That's essentially like a social security number for your cell phone, right? So we can target uh, ads based on, on that. And then you can see here's a, a sample of a 20% off your next cannabis delivery. So this was a, you know, a, uh, trying to to re-engage them to to purchase again looks they probably lapsed for a while here and then you can see the coverage right so you know from my experience you know the top categories that are affected from programmatic advertising is games right so everyone has games on their phone uh they no one likes to pay for them so the the way that these games monetize is through ads right so games are huge Reddit is on here, local CBS, CBS, San Diego. This is for mankind in San Diego. So podcast streaming, right? Weather app, offer up. You know, it's basically, um, there's social media here, a little keek, a little iFunny. Uh, meme sites do really well. Social media sites do really well. Dating sites, uh, Grindr uh, is one of the highest performing publishers we work with. They, uh, that category does really well. Uh, any dating and then especially like gay dating does really well. Uh, podcast players. So you can just get a, an overview of the coverage and, you know, at least at, at Media Jelly, you have 75,000 publishers in this. So uh, there's quite a, there's, there's a lot of, lot of opportunities for you to get in front of cannabis consumers. And you know that they're cannabis consumer because we got that data from Happy Cabbage. And then we make sure that we distribute that data to you know, all these uh, publishers, which is all the average, all the, the publishers that accept advertising. Yeah. And then looking at how they actually engage with you. So you can see, I'm going to change this to like a five-day attribution window. Yeah, so you can see that it, it ranges. So some people only need to see you four times before they'll come by again, right? So this person's eight times. If I open up their attribution window to all time, Looks like some of these customers have to see us 50 times to come by again, All right? So the number of time, the impression is anytime that they see that, right? So someone saw this ad on 515, looks like they saw it four times on 515 on their Android phone, on their local breaking news app. And then they purchase on 519 for $42.37. And we know this because of an IP address match. So 
all they come through the they come they come by again and then now we're gathering more first party data about them and and enriching the data set that we already have so just a lot a lot of value here to really um, maximize your return this is a 419 to one return on your investment so it's uh, absurd <laughs> to say the least uh, but yeah there's just a lot of opportunity there um, to generate revenue for your retailer yeah. I would say it's the results are so compelling that if you're spending money on any retention SMS, retention email, retention loyalty, you would it's a no-brainer to also be spending money on retention-based programmatic. It's just yeah. a no-brainer. Right. Like it's it's you know, you're dumping all this money into discounting to try to bring people back. You might as well like you know, spend it on what the like low hanging fruit is, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I mean, companies like Mercedes, BMW, they spend like 50% of their marketing budget on existing customers, right? Exactly. So they have a specific uh, brand positioning, right? Luxury vehicles and people want to associate or relate to that and and uh, live that lifestyle. So they, you know, there's 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 reasons that they advertise in the ways that they, they do. It's, it's uh, people want to feel part of the community, right? So, you know, the Tesla people are notorious. Like if someone has a Tesla, like, you know, they're part of the mission, the vision, right? So <laughs> it's good to keep that in mind. Uh, what are ungated happy cabbage campaigns, Andrew? Ungated happy cabbage campaigns. So yeah. do you buy so, <laughs> did I did I catch you off guard there? <laughs> I caught you off guard. Um, uh, <laughs> um, by that, can you can you <laughs> can be more specific? More. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we can we can skip that one. We can skip that one. What about? Uh, I guess let's let's take a little break here because I want to make sure that we answer any questions from the audience. So. Ravi, Donald, uh, Kali, Zach, I don't know. Do you have any questions for Andrew that you'd like us to, to answer live here? Let me actually check social media too because we may have some questions that people are asking on, on social. Um, but feel free to ask your questions in the, uh, the Q&A, which is on the bottom of the Zoom interface. Just make sure there's no other questions here on LinkedIn. And nothing yet. All right. Well, we'll we'll give you some time. If you have any questions, post them in the Q and A. All right. So you you want to talk a little bit about uh, maybe the KPIs, right? You know, which yeah. KPIs should should a, a cannabis company be tracking in order to know you know when to send out a, a re engagement campaign? Yeah. So I actually start like. A little bit backwards in that. Um, okay. What I think, what I think in, in terms of KPIs, right? What I think um, can sometimes get lost from from folks is at the end of the day, you're spending money on marketing to make money, right? At the yep. end of the day, you are spending money in order to drive revenue, particularly when it comes to bottom of the funnel marketing, which you know SMS campaigns that are very bottom of the funnel, right? Uh, discounts that you're giving in store, very bottom of the funnel. Um, 
the primary PTI through which you should be obsessed with is ROAS at the end of the day. It's how much money in revenue did you get from a dollar you spent on this campaign, right? Um, Particularly given how just low hanging fruit, you know, these are people who already know your brand. They've already had experience. Oftentimes they've maybe had dozens of experiences beforehand, right? Um, It's just a matter of really understanding, am I spending $10? Am I getting back a hundred, a thousand, 10,000? Exactly what those numbers are, right? Um, Now, From there, in order to how to understand how you can increase or decrease ROAS, I think really strong, important KPIs to understand are conversion rate, right? So what percent of people uh, came back into of a campaign, came back into a store within uh, 24 hours, within seven days. Uh, we also will show uh, recapture rates, things like that. So of all the people you sent out on a campaign, uh, how many of them were latent and came back in? Uh, how many of them hadn't been back in the last 90 days and came back in? And how many dollars were associated uh, with that, right? Um, now, in terms of KPIs to figure out when the correct time and the moment to send a campaign is, you actually take your results and you optimize your results. And so, for example, we have a tool that lets you see based on time of day and day of week, what the appropriate time is, right? So let's say you've sent out a few re-engagement campaigns over the course of a week. You look back at that the next week and you say, okay, Saturday afternoon was by far the most effective time to send that campaign. Let's resend on Saturday afternoon. Let's double down on Saturday afternoons, right? understanding timing of brand deals, understanding timing of holidays, right? You don't want to burn through your lists a week before Labor Day when Labor Day, categorically, you've seen a certain amount of lift and you want to double down on that lift. Look at your last year data for your days leading up to 420 to understand how much of your sales in April came from the days before 420, things like that. Right, I think are really important to understand so that you're not just saying press the button constantly to like send a whole bunch of messages constantly because what you're just going to end up doing is burning your list. You're going to get some, some results, don't get me wrong, but they could be a tenth of the results that you could potentially be getting, essentially. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. And make sure that you are dedicating a, a lot of time and, and re-engaging with your customers and making sure that they're coming back and that you retain them. Uh, Andrew, how do you calculate your customer retention rate? Yeah, so- And, ch- we, and churn rate too. <laughs> and churn rate, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so we think of retention, when we calculate retention, uh, we think of it as, and like I said, we use this 90-day mark. We came up with that through a statistical analysis of just like, frequency and latency and like what's a generic thing. But the number on retention I like to give people is um, of customers who are acquired over a time period, what percent of them are still shopping uh, 90 days later or the converse of them of what percent of them are 90 days lost right after that point Mm -hmm. in time, right? So if you want to say, okay, what is my retention of my consumers that are acquired in April, 
right? Based on how often they're purchasing, by July, you actually have a very good sense of what percent of your April consumers are still remaining consumers at your store, right? Yeah. And then basically that's a rolling average that you can track to understand if you're getting better at retaining or getting uh, worse at retaining uh, of the customers, right? Uh, and then obviously churn is just the converse of that, right? Uh, it's yeah. just basically... You either could be measuring what percent you're losing or you could be measuring what percent you're retaining. They're the same concepts, right? Um, yeah. Just, it's a very important number to know because people oftentimes measure how many new customers they're getting, but they're not checking how many of those new customers are staying, uh, which is, yeah, like that, not, not that not that good <laughs> of a practice because you're, like I said, you're spending so much money acquiring the new ones. You really want to make sure that you're keeping them. Yeah, exactly. And I know that you put together a um, um, kind of a data brief, uh, the campaign that you know we ran together versus some of the other channels. Do you want to you know share your screen and kind of walk through that about you know in store versus website versus Weed Maps? Yeah, let me just open this up right now. All right. Then let me just share my screen here. Can you see my screen okay? I can, yeah. You can, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, so um, what we did is we basically looked at, so the point of that uh, campaign with MediaGel was to go after previous customers who had fallen off, bring them back into the store. Now, what we looked at is how the customers who were reacquired through that campaign compared to customers who were reacquired from the website, in-store, or through Weed Maps, because they also have the integrated Weed Maps order. And what we found is that um, when the customers are reacquired, not from Weed Maps, <laughs> um, we saw a pretty large uplift in average order value, basically, right? Uh, ticket size, a lot of people call it ticket size, right? Uh, where the campaign that we ran with MediaGel, people who are coming back into the store were spending about $122 on average, whereas people who are coming back, so previous customers who then came back through WeedMap, they reordered through WeedMap, where they were previously 90 days lost, uh, spent about $95 on average, right? Um, when we look at that a little bit deeper, right, and so we were just talking about, you know, retention, uh, essentially, what percent of those people who, again, it's been 90 days since they purchase, they come back into the store, what percent of them are still purchasing <laughs> within 90 days, right? Because you want to think about, like, you know, the retention of the people you've recaptured. And what we saw is that... Um, the campaign that we ran, which was very targeted to individuals based on the first party data, 78% of those um, stayed, stayed purchasing at the store, right? Versus 61% of those on WeedMaps. The other really important thing is that by the way that the campaign is designed, we're not double dipping that much, okay. right? So the question is, are you basically inventing a new channel that is owned by honestly somebody else <laughs> that your consumers are constantly now reordering through. Whereas with Weed Maps, what you see is that the customers who were recaptured through Weed Maps 
are reordering your leaders, which means that you need to maintain a play, pay-to-play status in order to keep those customers who are already yours. Whereas with this, we were able to recapture them, bring more of them back into the store, and then we're not necessarily double dipping, right? Because they're coming back directly uh, through in-store, through website, right? Yeah. Uh, and then this is just that you can actually see how much of an uplift overall that is. And then now in terms of how long and then how frequent it's been, what you can see is that, again, the online campaign we ran was very targeted, looking at people who are high-frequent shoppers who have dropped off on that 90-day window and then bringing them back in so we're not going hundreds of days without them being customers, right? We're able to essentially have the safety net, right? The safety net that as customers are falling out that bucket, we're capturing them, we're putting them back in, which is why on average, it was 93 days from um, basically seeing the ad to coming back in or, or their purchase, their most recent purchase, uh, and then their repurchase. And then they were repurchasing after that uh, every 12 days. Uh, whereas with Weed Maps, you can see that it was 160 days because it's not very targeted, right? It was a very long time. And when these people came back in, yes, they were more frequent. Like they were purchasing basically once every week, but they were purchasing once every week through Weed Maps. Basically, Weed Maps owns the champ and you are kind of beholden to pay rent on that champ. Right. Whereas yeah. this is also going after people online, but it's incredibly more effective and incredibly more tailored to the goals of the retailer, as opposed to saying, hey, rent a channel to maintain this way of customers ordering, and you have to basically pay dividends every month. Instead, use your own data that you've already captured to bring them back into the store and then maintain them through your own property, right? In which you're gonna get a higher average ticket size, you're gonna get uh, more people coming back in faster, right? And then overall make more money. Yeah. Which is what really matters, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you, well, you, wanna, you wanna own your customer data, you want to get them to purchase through your channels that you own and you wanna maximize the return, right? Well, that's at least the key takeaways that I got from that case study. Yeah. <clears throat> Wonderful. I mean, Andrew, I mean, thank you so much for taking time today. Do you want to uh, kind of share with everyone where they can reach out to you and learn more about Happy Cabbage Analytics? And actually, I'll pull up the website now and, and post it in the uh, Zoom chat. Yeah. So uh, while you do that, it's happycabbage.io. Um, you know, uh, you can fill out... <laughs> Uh, a contact us form. There's also a chat box. You can reach out directly. You can also email directly at sales at happycabbage.io if you're interested in getting in touch. Um, you know, we're really excited about rolling out with uh, more partners um, these uh, online recapture campaigns with, with our MediaTel integration. Uh, $90 turns into over $10,000. So <laughs> uh, really excited to kind of bring those returns in math to more of the industry as well. Uh, and we're also, like I mentioned, um, rolling out soon more things on the inventory side, uh, more things to round out activation of first-party data to make it easy. Okay. So, yeah. 
Wonderful. Well, thank you again, you know, for joining us today. Um, we really, we really enjoy working with you. Obviously, uh, you're a great uh, partner of ours. We appreciate the uh, the integration and uh, the the trust in us to to really uh, to activate that data. Um, and just as a recap for everyone listening in here, you know, this is the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast. Uh, we cover marketing trends and strategies for growing your cannabis business. That's you know, programmatic advertising, SEO, paid search. Uh, SMS, email, uh, push notifications, e-commerce, like pretty much anything and everything related to cannabis and tech. Uh, the next podcast will be airing live next Thursday, September 22nd at 11 p.m. 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we'll be uh, talking about bud tenders and how to not let them tank, tank your cannabis brand. And that's going to be with Luna Stauer, and she's the Chief Impact Officer at Ispire Dope Hardware out of uh, Los Angeles. So be sure to catch us next week uh, for that, and we'll we'll see you then. And have a wonderful have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much. Of course, thanks, Andrew.